hair-raising adventures of ML Elgin. Detective, brought to you by Red Shovel Network. Detective Agency. It's me, Effie. Oh, I've been worried about you. Sid Weiss was just on the phone, and he says digging up a corpse without a permit is against the law. It's all right, Effie. I just dug him up to say hello and put him back again. Oh, hell. I'll be down in a couple of minutes to dictate my report, sweetheart. If I get lost on the way, you'll find me in City Hospital, the psycho ward, third straight jacket from the left. <laughs> Get your finger out of my face. Get your finger out of my face. Take the first shot, then if you want to get your finger out of my face. It's gone. What are you doing? What are you doing? That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay? You want to go right now, Albert? Big news day today here in Detroit. Uh, Sean Windsor has just joined us from the Free Press, where... uh, where the Tigers made some trades that will not make them better. Not today, not ever. So we really don't need to talk too much about that because this is a show that's supposed to lift your spirit, not crush your soul. It's your old pal M.L. Elric here from Fox 2 News, uh, bringing you news, views, and uh, maybe soon some cold, frosty brews, but I don't want to get ahead Hopefully. of myself. Yeah. Uh, Mark Fellhauer is here from the Charlotte and Dad podcast, the Drew and Mike show, and uh, several uh, several prison dating sites. So, yeah, Mark, it's good it's day. Great. You know, you got to expand. And we have a special guest with us today, uh, Brandon Knight of Distributed Power, who's going to talk a little bit about my solar project, which he has been the architect of and the man who made it happen. And we're going to talk mainly today about the cost of energy, because let me tell you one thing about the cost of energy that probably doesn't qualify as news. It's going up. Mm. It's going up, and they want it to go up again. In fact, when I, when I first looked at converting my home to solar, all of the models that we looked at were predicated on the cost of power going up 5% every year. So when you're trying to figure out whether this makes good economic sense, you want to know what the cost of power is going to be down the road, and so uh, it looked like, yeah, maybe 5% a year would be a reasonable projection. And then I consulted with some people, and they said, actually, the cost of power is getting cheaper. It's not going up that much. And I said, oh, well, maybe it doesn't make that much sense. And I thought, well, you know what? I just don't want to be tied to the power company anymore. I want to be a little more independent. I want to be greener and all those that good things. That sounds like you. Yeah, so I'm ready to go. And then <laughs> what happens? Edison kicks up the rates. It was just approved by almost 9%. And they came back after getting the 9%, and they want another 9%. So we're going to talk about what it takes to get off the grid and whether or not you can ever really cut those apron strings to, uh, to Mama Edison. But first I want to hit on kind of a, a positive note. If, if you have some money to spend, it doesn't cost you that much, and it's well worth it. I'm talking, of course, about the Michigan Peddler, which is the top party bike in Metro Detroit. It has a real knack for connecting with its guests and supplying an unbelievable amount of fun. Instead of uh, me telling you, listen to the email that they received this week. A loyal customer wrote and said, As you know, I always ride with the Michigan Peddler, simply the best out there. This was my fourth straight year riding with you guys and my third ride this year. It is addicting. Our most recent ride was awesome with two bikes going together. The two drivers were both super. Thanks again for another outstanding adventure on Michigan Peddler. Hey, if you have two bikes going, can they race? 
They can. Will the peddler have them race? Uh, the Michigan Peddler does have a certain bike that has, like, oil slick on it and blades that come <laughs> like out of the hubs Hunter? of the wheels. But that's extra. Cool. So I think our, our budget-conscious uh, uh, listeners may not want to take them up on that. But you can, you can ask Mike Gill. He'll, he'll set you straight. They'll customize a ride that works for your situation. Pub crawl, sightseeing, family ride with kids. You name it, they work with you. Their customer service has even won them the TripAdvisor Certificate of Excellence. So pull together your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, and book the highlight of your summer or fall. And we're offering a special promo code just for ML Soul of Detroit listeners. It's the only special offer that the Michigan Peddler is giving out at this time. Just type in or mention promo code ML Soul when booking and receive $25 off their top-rated party bikes. Book today as slots fill up fast. Go to www.michiganpeddler.com. That's Michigan, then P-E-D-A-L-E-R.com, or call 313-744-3272. So now, a more painful subject, <laughs> electric rates. Uh, Brandon, how long have you been doing solar? Since about 2012. And uh, are you seeing more and more people uh, want to convert, or has this sort of been steady all the way along? Huge growth in Michigan the past two years. Why do people say they want to they want to do this? Well, we had a great program, DT's net metering program, and you could essentially eliminate your electricity bill through solar power the last couple of years, and uh, that has changed. Before May second, we could design a system that could produce enough energy over the course of the year to cover your full bill. So wait, it's called wait, net what, metering. What happened May second? So that program was eliminated. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Well, they still have net metering. It's just the rates are lower, right? Uh, it is now the distributed generation tariff. So hey, That doesn't sound nearly as fun. So it used to be that if you produced an excess credit of solar power in the summer at noon in July, you're cranking solar. It goes back through the meter. It powers up the house. Whatever's extra goes back through the meter, and you get a credit for it that you can redeem in December or January when you don't have as much uh, solar access. So now that credit is essentially worth about half of what it was. So you can no longer completely eliminate your electric bill with this program. Well, so that's got to hurt your business. We don't really know yet. So I'm a creative guy. So (laughs) I'm going to figure out some ways around it. Um, It is forcing a change for sure. Well, I, I admire the fact that, you know, you're a small business. They're this monster public utility, which they have to have their eye on alternative energy. Is that maybe some of the reason they would want to do something like this? Because they want, I don't know, windmills or they want to they cut of the new energy policy? Is that the speculation? The speculation can go a million different directions. They They have legitimate reasons why they're doing this. And essentially they're saying that the average solar customer was being subsidized by other ratepayers and was not paying their fair share of the distribution and transmission charge that for the whole grid. So that's the talking points that you're going to get from any politician, from any DTE person, and from the Michigan Public Service Commission. So this isn't all DTE. This is political philosophy. So let me explain a little bit how net metering works. Basically, when the sun shines, you generate as much power as you possibly can. You hope you generate more than you need. At night, when you're not generating power, you buy energy back from Edison. 
but you hopefully are just buying down the credit you built. So while the sun shines, you make power. Sell it to Edison. I'm on sunshine. When the, uh, when the moon comes up, you buy it back from Edison. And, and you can't, with these residential solar projects, your system cannot generate more power. It's not supposed to generate more power than you would use. So there's no situation here where Edison ends up owing you a lot of juice. Of course not. So They're making the rules. Right. That's apparently not good enough now, is they don't want to be neutral. They want to buy the cheap energy where they buy it. They don't want to buy it from you. And the other wrinkle here that's, that's really uh, somewhat irksome is that even when you invest in a solar system, they say that we're not paying enough for the transmission lines and all that other stuff. You can't eliminate your energy bill. You still have to pay the standard charges that come with every customer every week anyway. So there's no way, even if you generate more power than you need, that you'll owe Edison nothing for power. Well, not only that, but correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon, you have no choice but to use their lines because you can't just be off the grid. You can't just have it power your home, which when I think of solar, that's like, oh, yeah, that'd be cool. Put some uh, some of those cool things on my on my rooftop, and then, bam, I don't have to deal with this bureaucracy of Edison slash government. There's no law saying you can't go off-grid. It's there really an economic okay. uh the amount of gear you have to purchase in addition to the grid-tied inverter is cost-prohibitive. is cost prohibitive. Really? Yes. So effectively, if you so want to get we, off yeah. the grid, you better have a lot of money, and it better mean a lot to you. You're introducing more parts that can break as well. So a standard grid-tied solar array is a very simple system that... On an economic play, we could work with a homeowner and say, hey, we can get this system. If you pay cash, we're going to produce enough energy that you're going to earn that back quickly. And then you're going to have essentially pre-purchased 25 or 30 years of electricity with the cost of eight. Now, being the small business owner that's really trying to get this going, you have to work with DTE to a certain extent. Um, Is that uh, problematic? (laughs) Do you do you feel do they want companies like what you have? Do you think, or do you think they do want to control it all? I'll I'll answer a different question first. So, okay. uh, well, any market change for a small business can be seen as an opportunity. So our competitors are facing the same issue. So there's an opportunity to beat our competitors, and for us to be a small company. Uh, they, you know, there's companies from out of state. Everyone's getting marketed by this power home company. Um, I think Power Home is probably two to three times more expensive than everybody else. Uh, I think they're installed. I'm not even going to go into it because it's not <laughs> fair to them. They're fine. I'm just saying that, hey, well, maybe Power Home's this big ship, and for them to turn their ship. It's a lot harder. Know, it's mm-hmm. a lot harder. Hey, I'm coming from off grid. I'm coming from military building microgrids in Haiti. Yeah. I'm ready to go with this. Like, I'm technically ready. So, what it. It's it's not going to help, though, to yeah. have DTE messing with our market because we had such an easy, clean value proposition before. It was very easy for people to understand. We produce this much energy over the course of the year. You use this much last year. We apply to DTE. We get your payback in 10 years or mm-hmm. under. 
everyone's happy. Well, plus the game changes, right? So when I signed up for this, it was different than what it'll be for somebody who signs up this year. And that makes it difficult for anybody to make sense of this. And it makes it difficult to navigate some of these things. But one, one of the things I, I want to draw people's attention to, because I think this is significant, and it's, it's something that, that different, um, I, I guess I'm going to call them um, consumer-friendly groups. Uh, people might call them lefty groups. People might call them anti-power company groups. Uh, you can do your research yourself, folks, and figure out which adjectives are appropriate. But some of these are facts, and this comes from Keith Matheny at the Detroit Free Press, so I know you can trust this. The rate increase that was just approved by the Michigan Public Service Commission says that most consumers, most of us residential folks, are going to have an 8.7% increase, which means your monthly bill is going to increase by a little over 6 bucks. Commercial customers, on the other hand... You can make that much money in five seconds. They only had a 4% increase, so you can make that in two seconds. <laughs> and industrial customers had only a 2.5% increase... In other words, what's going on is those of us regular folks are paying a lot more every time there's an increase than, say, a business or than a factory. Um, I don't know why that is. Uh, Maybe it's because they're volume buyers. Maybe it's because the Public Service Commission wants to make Michigan a more business-friendly place. But there's studies that have been done that show that over the years, the rates for residential people – Little people, poor people, regular people have increased tremendously, whereas the rates for commercial and industrial have barely budged. Now, I guess they would tell you if you raise our electric rates, we're going to pass it on to consumers. So you're going to pay for it one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But there's a real question, I think, in here as to, uh, as to fairness. And I also think there's some questions about um, – Edison's uh, need for these increases. Now, they've talked a lot about these new increases are going to in, uh, are going to expand their tree trimming, which should increase reliability for the system because, as we know, as Drew knows, particularly power goes down a lot, they're always blaming trees. Yeah. So who hates a tree? First, they always wait until the power goes out, I don't know, 20 times in you know a month span before they, oh, okay, maybe we need to redo that. Yeah, and how fast do these trees grow back? Well, that, you know? <laughs> that's what happened at, at my house in Berkeley. It's, we lost power, no joke, I don't know, probably six times in a year. And then finally they're like, yeah, we should probably clean those trees out. Same thing happened to the people across the street then. They started losing power all the time. Yeah, and uh, they're just not very proactive in doing that, which is the least amount they could do, or maybe replacing some of their antiquated equipment on the grid. So they try and justify... No, I'm not a big fan of the power company. Yeah, well, so here's, here's some figures from the Citizens Utility Board of Michigan. We have the 12th highest nationwide average cost of electricity for residential customers. Um, we have the 6th highest nationwide rate of minutes of outage per customer. In other words, we're the 6th highest amount of time of all the states in Michigan... To fix it. Yeah, that yeah. when when the power goes out in Michigan, only five states have longer power outages yeah. than we do. We are the first. The excuse me, we rank fourth in a bad way, the fourth worst nationwide in time to restore power. So, in other words, we are paying more for electricity than most states. We're paying more and getting less. But our time. outages yeah. are worse, yeah. and it takes longer to restore our power. And our rates keep coming up. Well, now they're saying it's because they want to trim the trees. 
boy, that would have been a good idea a while ago. Uh, meanwhile, you know, our rates go up at 5 10%. I don't think anybody's salary is going up at 5 or 10%. And DTE is making millions, like $100 million a year. They're guaranteed to make a of profit. Of course. When they go and argue for these rate increases, their argument is if we don't have a certain rate of return, then you violate Michigan's constitution on mm-hmm. takings. And uh, that's kind of rich for Monopoly to say, you got to give it. I mean, where's the accountability here? Isn't capitalism about putting people in competition and saying, if you're the best, you'll make the most? If you're not, Maybe you shouldn't survive. Yeah, but is another, another company going to come in and start laying down lines? And No, because... Well, you can charge them for access to the grid. I mean, you can have... Michigan did have a competition model be in 2000, grid? and they took it down. I, I think that DTE is just doing what DTE does. And a lot of this has to do with... I wish with, what they did was provide power to my house on a regular basis. <laughs> well, this is... Or update these stuff. Are publicly regulated... Monopolies. Both Consumers Energy and DTE are under the same exact policies. And I was actually bringing this up. Uh, so um, this was an email that a gentleman named Frank, Frank Sasky wrote. And uh, he was Z. looking back at uh, basically since 2005, the big three won this huge argument and the rate started shifting to for them. And essentially, so from them to us, it, it does work out to if you look at the Department of or the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which you can go back, it's about a five percent increase since that time per year. So it's been you know even every year. So what happened at the end of 2016 is the Michigan Legislature passed a new integrative resource planning uh, infra- like whole framework for the utility companies that creates hundreds of new ways for them to get more money out of people. So it's not DTE. It's who's in power when that energy policy is passed. And this is the end of 2016. And you have across the whole board, you have one party in place. And there might be good people in that party. I don't know. But generally what happens is it gets to be more skewed towards DTE and consumers' energy. They're winning. They're happy. Everything gets written their way. Solar gets undercut. Everything about the common person, it, it, it all was decided in 2016. And it, it, all this, what's going on right now, is just implementation of what was put forth several years ago. So they will have these rate cases constantly all the time. And they just got a rate increase, and they immediately asked for another rate increase. Yeah. So that's that's the new... So we have to win elections, basically, and it's a long-term fight to get things structured the way that is, you know, that for solar, for the future of energy, to, to take care of people. It, it's, it's that generally it's benefiting someone. Someone is winning here and it's not the solar people i've never seen a politician hold the feet to their fire and then finally dana nestle and this is a very small small attack where on dt where they say oh we're gonna give you 25 bucks but you gotta apply and she's basically like no this should be automatic it's like automatic how about 25 bucks why don't you give them the whole month free at that part you know you're paying for those five days you're paying you know 
for that whole month, and the service is interrupted. Yeah, and, and Dana Nessel has argued, the, the, the Michigan Attorney General has argued that with these new smart meters, which are so, supposed yeah. to be so technologically superior, that they should be able to detect that your power's been out. It should be able to clock in whether or not you're eligible for a rebate, and then that should be automatically applied to your Obviously. bill. And, and people in Michigan, I think, understand after the, the terrible winters we've had that if you're without power for 120 hours, you're entitled to a $25 rebate. Now, everybody knows that that doesn't cover how much power you're out, but it's, it's, it's a token to, mm-hmm. of appreciation, if you will. What people don't know, or most people don't know, is that after 16 hours without power, you're also entitled to a $25 rebate if you're sort of a singular thing. In other words, if there's not this massive outage, if you're the only guy in the block who hasn't had power for 16 hours, you're supposed to get 25 bucks back. Now, Ooh. it's frustrating because I just want to put solar panels up everywhere, but <laughs> it's, um, it's very political. And I did want to just mention that um, really quickly before we really got off the whole battery thing, we can do that. Yeah. There are more, more and more products coming out now. Some can take over the whole home in an outage. Some you have to split out into a sub-panel that power a critical load panel. But that's happening right now. And Good. you can also, with the same technology, instead of sending power back to DTE, you can divert it to the battery, release it, and basically keep that energy behind the meter. So the so people that don't, even buying from people that don't get the batteries are basically cheap, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Some, some, yeah. some, some, he's got an integrated EV charger, though. So he's got. Some would say that they're simply cost conscious. Oh, now, the okay. one thing about okay. this system that 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 Brandon put in my house, and and we should tell you, he's not being compensated for this appearance. No, I don't even and think I'm, we've I'm not. I'm not told you the name of the company. Yeah, I'm. I'm not getting. Uh, I'm not getting any kind of discount. In fact, my inverter went down. So Brandon and I are going to have a little conversation after the show. Upsell my battery. It's, it's about to be replaced, but. Um, but the thing is, uh, with this system, you know, you can do all kinds of different things with it. You can, you know, I've got a, I've got a level two car charger. It's a part of it now, and it's, it's all good stuff. But, but the thing about it is, in Michigan, believe it or not, we're generating enough power to offset our power needs as long as the system was up. And this system can be expanded. So when battery prices come down... We can yeah. add a battery, not at eight grand, Brandon. You get them down to one grand, come see me. I'm not well, making eight it. grand. I'm just buying equipment. I'm he just passed five this. bucks. He's losing money on this deal every day. I don't know how to stay in business every day. I do something. I'm, I'm good. You're taking money out of my baby's mouth. But What's the name of the company? Let me mention it. So we are Distributed Power. Website. DistributedPower.net. Well, Brandon, thanks for coming in. I look forward to getting my system back up. It's. It's been tough having all this sunlight and none of it going into the system, but I know we'll be back up soon. I understand. So. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. We got the inverter, the replacement. It's coming. Sound like Annie. The sun will come out tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. I promise. It's happening. Okay. Thank well, you so much. It's been fun. Yeah, so if you guys are curious about solar, come by my house and, and bring a beer and I'll, I'll give you a tour. Hall Financial is a Red Shovel Network sponsor. That's right. David Hall is keeping us on the air, and we want you to keep him in business. We can't emphasize enough how important people like David Hall are to our very survival. I know it sounds dramatic, but he's taking a chance on this new form of media. And if you want to refinance your home, Hall Financial would love to save you money. 
and encourage him to keep us going. You can email David at dhall at hallfg.com or call Hall Financial at 248-308-5000. That's what I did. I worked with Dan Morrison and Shannon, and they gave me a great deal. Maybe you want to refinance your home. Maybe it's your first home. Maybe you're looking to purchase a dream home. Maybe you even want to get some cash out of your home. Give David Hall a chance to get lower rates, better options, and more personal attention. You may have heard the feds are lowering rates. That means deals are better than ever. These guys move fast. The industry average for refi is 44 days. Hall Financial averages 19 days. They'll fight for you even if you have a little blemish on that old credit history. So email dhall at hallfg.com or call 248-308-5000 and thank them for giving the soul of Detroit a chance to stick around a while. Tell them ML sent you. And when I say tell them ML sent you, I mean tell them ML sent you. NMLS 1467435. I won't change my mind on anything, regardless of the facts that are set out before me. I'm dug in, and I'll never change. Ray Nut, Ray Tso, Ray Nut, Ray Tso, Ray Nut Infinity, Ray Tso Infinity Plus One. No. So I used to believe that it was okay for everybody to express their opinions, whether they were artists or entertainers or sports writers. And then I met Sean Windsor, and then I felt like they shouldn't say anything at all. Sean, how do you feel about that? Whatever you Stop. say. <laughs> He's not saying anything Whatever at all. Whatever you That's say. A, oh, I love Whatever it. Whatever you say. In room 7609 this week, <laughs> we have... Uh, so, no, ESPN has once again... Uh, uh, I don't want to say they caused some controversy because I think it's the last thing they want to do. They find themselves in the eye of a storm because one of their personalities expressed a political view. Now, this first happened with my friend and former colleague and Sean's former colleague. I guess she was your friend yeah. too, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. She, she, yeah, yeah. she told me she doesn't mind slumming it. So yeah, she was your friend. <laughs> and, uh, and she expressed some concerns about some of president Trump's tweets. I guess apparently he's very active on social media. Anyway, that kind of blew over. Jamel moved on to, I think, bigger and better things. And now, Dan the Bastard has gotten himself in trouble. And I only say J- Dan the Bastard because I speak French. And that's what Le Batard means. Or Le Batard. Even though he's Hispanic. Oh, is he? Yeah. He's, he's got uh, a French Cuban. last name. Cuban, yeah. It's okay. French, Cuban, he's a bastard. So should uh, members of ESPN be able to spout their political viewpoints? Well, I think the question is in which context. The First Amendment guarantees that we can all say whatever it is that's on our mind. That's a, a right that, and a freedom that we all enjoy. I think the question is whether or not you should do it while you're on the air. And I would say, frankly, that um, I guess I don't have a problem with him spouting his political views, but I don't tune into ESPN for voting instructions. And I'm have- not counting on these folks to tell me. In fact, based on what knuckleheads they are, if they want me to do something, they should probably tell me the opposite of what they're really thinking. And they have research that backs that. Their viewers and listeners do not want it. My only problem is I hate a blanket rule that says no doing this because it's never applied the same. A radio show like Lebetard is or Will Kane, who skews a little to the right, um, is, it's a little different. It's a little more intimate. It's a little more opinion-based. Now, Sports Center, where Jamel Hill came from, and granted it was a different version of Sports Center, where it's supposed to be more, I guess, entertainment-based, but she was doing it on Twitter. I don't think people want to tune in to hear any opinions at all other than X's and O's. So I just don't like the blanket rule 
and I have it, it really depends who's a spell who's putting out the opinion. I'm going to sound uh, a little bit conservative here, maybe I don't know, but it's up to ESPN. It's up to the Detroit Free Press. You may not like that. It's up to who you work for. Oh, uh, Fox Two. I work for. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you call that work, I uh, actually we're working for you. I don't know if you've I seen don't, our um, slogan. I mean, it's it's really up to the employer. You can say what you want, but it, it's not going to be without repercussion, right? I I understand. Having that. said but, all that, I like that he said it. I like that he. F- well, why don't we tell people what he said in okay, case go they're, ahead. Just, they're just catching up? Well, it was right after Trump told the squad or the four that they should go back to where they came from. And he was basically, in a way, and this is where it gets even a little different because he was kind of snarky because he was quoting a Fox Sports 1 tweet where kind of like, hey, this guy's allowed to espouse his opinion, and he's correct, by the way. So it wasn't really his opinion. It was kind of a, a stab. He's been taking stabs at his owner ever since his friend John Skipper left. Um but, you know, he got called to New York twice now to talk about it, and their stance is no politics. And their research backs it up to your point, Sean, that no politics. Because they're running a business first, and um, like it or not, I mean, right, it's their decision. Define, define politics, because this was the other aspect of what Levitard said. He goes, oh, we can wade into it if, you know, um, a player says something. It has to be under the guise, this weak guise of sport. It does. I mean that's their that's kind of their policy, right? And there's been a you're right, there's been a huge change at that company in the last couple of years because I think there was some backlash from right leaning viewers. Major. But the difference Major is it, in journalism the rule is report the story, don't be the story. So if a player says something and you report it, you're doing your job. If you say something and then other people start reporting on what you're saying, you're not the reporter anymore. Now you're the subject of the story. Yeah, but they're paid commentators. Levitard's a paid commentator with a radio show. The difference between a reporter and a columnist. Who sure. his, whose father is an immigrant himself, and so of course he's going to react to that. And and, and let's just... Well, th- we're here's all the, entitled to react, but I don't come into Fox 2 and say, uh, hey, you know what my wife no, said today? Could. I'm really pissed off. They're like, we're not... But you we, could. We don't and then know about your domestic relations. But you could, and then you'd suffer By whatever consequences. she did say something about. crazy the other day. You know, right? Seriously. She told me, I listen to the podcast, and my friends do, too. You think we don't, but we're going to get you. <laughs> get you? I said, wow. you've been, I said, you've been trying to kill me for 30 years. I'm still here, baby! I, I admire that still he said strong. something because he knew what was coming, right? And yeah, well, he's he's in an almost untouchable position because, you know, he gets two and a half million listeners a day. He's very successful. The TV show does well. He's untouchable. Or Jamel, and his audience is probably, right? Oh, you know what? His he knows based, his audience. He's based in Miami. You he would used assume to be a he knows sports his writer audience, for the right? Miami Herald. Not you'd be surprised. I think. I think he gets a lot of pushback from. Well, he gets a lot of pushback from inside the studio because they don't want to talk about it. No, they don't. But again, you get, mean his co-hosts. Get, just oh, can wow. we just talk about the elephant Even in the room? Stu Gass? Yes. Other than please Michael, do. please. Sorry, what? This it's this has really what? just been an issue since Trump's been here, yeah, right? <laughs> since Trump's been president. Whatever else you think about him, he has forced his way into the psyche in a different way that it, it leads to guys like and reporters, journalists, whatever sports writers, sports journalists, talking about politics. You don't it's think relatively this, wait, wait, new. I disagree, though. You don't think this happened on the onset of the Iraq War with Bush? But I don't not like this. I don't remember any president ever telling another congressperson to go back to where they oh, came that. from, no, I or that mean, a city was a shithole, or whatever it was he said about Baltimore recently. I, I just it's, mean the blurring of the lines between rat infested. It, 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 the racial undertones of that. So that's why the, some of these uh, folks, some of these sports 
personalities who have those similar backgrounds, they're reacting. It's a visceral reaction. It's just this has not been going on for that long. Well, that's the argument, right, is that this is a time when decent people are supposed to speak, that most of the time we keep this to ourselves, but now what's happening in Washington and across the country is so outrageous that people of good conscience need to be heard. We need to break the rule because the rules have already been broken, and we need to tell people that what we're hearing. And I think that's a very noble and inspiring argument, but I also like to think that sports is something that brings us together, which is also ironic because we come together to talk about sports because I like Michigan State, you like Michigan. We sure. come together, we disagree, but it brings us together. Isn't that kind of well, a frankly, weird thing? Uh, but, frankly, if we but now we're going to throw politics into if it. We Doesn't started it seem like it's going to mess up the whole thing like, like that. You know, I don't hate you because you like Michigan State. I mean, you're, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> there well, might be a difference you, you, in you opinion. You hate me because I'm beautiful, but I, but like, like Rula Lenska. I, I know people that are incredibly Alberto conservative, and I know people that are incredibly liberal. And you know what? My opinion of them before I know, after I find that out, does not change because there's more to a person than than that. So Although, that being said, if I'm watching a show, it's not gonna it's not gonna change. I don't know. May, may, if, if I'm watching a highlight show or a talking head show about, you know, like NFL Live or whatever, it's not going to change my opinion of the show if someone makes a comment about that. Sports may uh, bring us together, Mike, but they they reflect us more than they bring us together. They really, I mean, they bring us together physically in a stadium, you know. So I guess you have. I'm a, a terrible you, hitter. You have the a Tigers rooting, are terrible hitters. You have a, a common me. rooting interest, but other than that, they still it's a reflection of where we are and who we are and. I don't think it's just commentators. I mean, you're seeing more and more athletes speak out too, right? We talked about uh, the women's sure. soccer team and Megan and Megan Rapinoe and what she's done. It goes way back. To, go back to the '68 Olympics. The obnoxiously right? overcompensated. Jim Brown. Megan right? I mean, it, it, Muhammad there's a, Ali. Exactly, Muhammad Ali. Uh, Carlos um, or Tommy Tommy Smith. Carlos Leon. Uh, no, not yeah. Carlos. Yeah. Uh, Carlos. Oh, in Mexico Ru- City in the '68 oh, Olympics uh, and holding the fist up, Tommy right? Carlo. Exactly, Tommy Carlos and. Yeah, God, we're mangling this. (laughs) This is terrible. Jordan got heat uh, in the late '80s, especially through the '90s, because he wouldn't take a political stand. So he got Republicans buy shoes too. Exactly, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Jim Brown and and Bill Russell and some of those socially conscious-minded athletes gave him crap. Hideki Nomo said he didn't think that Barack Obama was born in America. (laughs) He was, but he he said it in Japanese, so it didn't really, it didn't really get. But this has been this has been with us forever. Uh, This has been what's a little bit. New again is is reacting to in the, uh, the president. In a different way. They well, I the whole visiting the White House thing. I mean that, that maybe existed though, but before. not like this. It wasn't. And now blame well, social media a little bit if you when, want the back and when forth on Twitter. Was president? It was mainly women's teams that didn't want to visit the White House yeah, because they, they were afraid of getting do. chased. And around. there were there were a few people here and there that would quietly an ashtray. But yeah, it's not. It's just changed. It's so much on the stage. You want a championship? That calls for a cigar. <laughs> no, thanks. I'm good. I uh, got asthma. got to pass on that one. Wait, what's the ruling, though? So do you don't think people on the ESPN blanket rule? No politics? No, okay. I, don't, I don't have a problem with it at all. And Sean I'll, says the boss decides. Th- they do. That's you're the just boss how of th- ESPN. What's your decision? I would give them a little bit more latitude unless... Everybody. 
Bill, uh, Wal- no. Bill Walton in the middle of an NBA game. I <laughs> know he does that anyway, right? No, I would, um, and he's talking about acid trips, which is great, which I want to hear more well, about. It's entertaining as hell, yeah. I, I mean, that helps explain Mike, too, when he thinks he lives in Detroit. So when I was dropping acid too much Timothy orange Leary sunshine. And, uh, you know? but, but I think that's the whole time, place, and manner of it is if, if you're watching a basketball game, you don't maybe you don't want to be hit over the head with No, you Trump, don't. Trump sucks or Trump's, Trump's the best. You don't want to hit. But, but you give some people more leeway than others within a company. You do yeah. that. That's how every company They works. don't. They I don't, think, though. I think the market decides. I'm fine with people sharing their opinion. I don't listen to Sports Center to hear. I don't have cable, so I don't listen to Sports Center at all. But I would not listen to Dan Lebetard to get political views. But if that's what he wants to do, let him do it. And if the two and a half million turns to two million, turns to one point five million, turns to one million, he made his choice. He's going to have to live with it. But that hurts ESPN too. So why wouldn't they have a, 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 an interest in setting some parameters there? And, and why do you listen? To, you're not going to listen to anything anyway because you obviously think you know everything. So I don't. I mean, that's a that's a poor anecdote. What do you mean think? Okay, well there. You that's go. why he doesn't have cable. Exactly. That's why he's got solar now. I don't know what you need the power for. You, you just, you just, just walk mirror. inside and start talking. He just looks in the mirror and talks to it. Exactly. It's like watching TV and for he, him. He, he's always his, on that channel. That's why I like got a reflection and see my reflection. Yeah. Yeah. There you, you go. Call, you call your wife into the bathroom. I'm, I'm on TV again. There I am. There you go. Oh, man. I don't call my wife into the bathroom. <laughs> if I want to make a splash in my marriage. She's going to get you. The, it took you a long time to get to. Come out. It, it <laughs> took you a long time to get to your little, you know, bathroom humor. It, literally with a bathroom. Reference. I didn't bring so, us into the bathroom. No, but I'm impressed. <laughs> this is, this is the first time in three months. It's the first time in three months he's waited this long. So I'm impressed. You're getting better. You're growing up, Mikey. I love it. It's not a coincidence. It turns out they have walking tacos at Costco for fifteen dollars. <laughs> I've had eight corn tacos in the last twelve hours. Oh man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek? Or we're turning into cool guys? This should be probably geek of the century because I don't know if you like Gil- Dilbert or not. Uh, I think at one time it was somewhat it's amusing. very popular. Yeah, yeah. it was kind of... Uh, uh, a so slice of life on office, office politics humor. and life. Yeah, office humor is really big, like in the early mid nineties. Then you had Office Space, and, right? Yeah. And cubicles yeah. and Dog Bert and all that other. You know, you know, a, a, a strip is in trouble when they introduce new characters. But I think when The Office came on, shows and strips yep. like this became very quaint. Well, Scott Adams, the creator of Dilbert, has been trying to stay relevant for a long time, and, and God bless him because who wants to see their industry disappear? said the guy who spent most of his career in newspapers and is <laughs> in television now as, as people turn off. But I think uh, there's, a, there's a price to be paid when you try too hard. And this week, Scott Adams, <sighs> he's trying to promote an app that he has that uh, connects people with uh, sources. In other words, if you don't trust the media and you want to get directly to somebody who's an eyewitness or who's an expert on it, you can go through his startup, which is called WenHub, and, uh, and you can find... different from Twitter? Well, the difference is this one will connect you with somebody and they can get paid to be your uh. source. So after the shooting in Gilroy, California, the, at the Gilroy Garlic Festival which killed three and wounded 12. Two of them kids. Yeah, and boy, we could... I know. We're going to skip right past the heavy stuff. Um, 
Adams tweeted out, if you were a witness to the hashtag Gilroy Garlic Festival shooting, please sign on to Interface by WenHub, which is a free app, and you can set your price to take calls. Use keyword Gilroy. So uh, Scott Adams realized this was a mistake, I think, when uh, people like Khalil Bay of San Francisco tweeted, Scott Adams and the magic of turning active shooters into active users. And uh, a pollster, Frank Luntz, tweeted, You're really using an in-progress mass shooting to promote your app? Yeah. When that happened, he got the message that this was not only inappropriate and did you see his, and tasteless. Did you see his first response to the pushback? No. He claimed it was just simply because he supports President Trump, and that's why he's getting all this pushback. To oh. which he got more pushback because they're like, no, that's not, that's not really why. This is a tragedy, and I know that's what you think this app is supposed to be for, and that's fine. But you might want to think about your timing a little bit. And is that it's where, not that people are grieving. It's that at that time, people were still in shock and trying to figure out what the hell happened. And Trump tweeted, look, dude, I'm in enough shit for my own stuff, okay? You don't need to drag me into this one. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks. Uh, but no, so this is another person who doesn't trust the media, who wants to circumvent the media, and this is the kind of guy who doesn't trust the mainstream media, which, by the way, you can trust. So, for your enthusiasm, for your lack of taste, and even for your lame old strip, Scott Adams, you are our Geek of the Week. Back in my college days, I had two massive posters on my wall. One was a recreation of the Smiths' The Queen is Dead cover. Okay. It's like one of those crazy posters you'd get at the student union. It's like four feet wide and six feet tall. And the other one was for Bob Brian. Marley? No, no, no. I didn't oh, I thought every college uh, room had to have Bob Marley. Posters. No, but every college room had to have one of those, um, one of those Mexican um, <laughs> hoodies that had a big... Wheat leaf, uh, weed leaf on yes. the front of it and said yes. something like jamin on the back and some sort of presumably lead-based yeah. paint from a, a, a child-run factory in, <laughs> in China. But no, the other poster was uh, Brian Ferry, who was at one time the lead singer of Roxy Music, which was one of the seminal new wave bands. Some people credit them Birthing it? or blame them for being the uh, protogenitors of art rock. Brian Eno was in there with his synthesizers. Uh, a little too pretentious for my taste. But Brian at, Brian Ferry is coming to the Fox Theater this Saturday, August 3rd. I'm going to be there. Never seen him before. I'm looking forward to it. His work as a solo artist, uh, you probably know Kiss and Tell and some other great songs, but here's one of his underappreciated hits. It's a little ditty that he likes to call...
So if you see me at the Fox Theater on Saturday, give me a shout. And if you miss the show, if you're listening to the podcast after the, Brian Ferry has left the stage, a little food for thought about, about Brian Ferry. And, and if you're wondering why that song sounded so cool, Johnny Marr on guitar. In fact, if you... Oh, wow. He he played on a lot of uh, tunes with um, with Brian Ferry in his post Smiths career, and if you take a look at the Right Stuff video at one twelve, there's a couple of frames of Johnny Marr on guitar, and you can hear when you listen to that tune. There's a very subtle background guitar riff that has that sort of echo from How Soon Is Now. Uh, there seems to be a lot of crossover with new wave bands. I think if you're kind of a guitar hero, you can float around a little bit, you know? Not just him. There's always... I feel like every week when we have a song, it's like, oh, that person was on in this... Well, yeah, there's just a lot Johnny of Johnny Marr played yeah. with The The. Johnny Marr played with Electronic. Uh, Robert Smith played with Susie and the Banshees. And, of course, he's, you know, the he is the cure. So I, I think, you know, that, that, that English music scene is kind of small and intimate. And um, maybe maybe to a fault... Because Brian Ferry used to feature because, you know, he's sort of the debonair, you know, whatever. Um, Oh, my God. He's so deep. He's he's very pretty. But he used to have supermodels on the covers of of the uh, Roxy Music albums. And uh, he picked up Jerry Hall at the airport when she came in to be on uh, some of their album art. They fell in love. They were living together. Oh and then boy! And the, this the incestuous community, this small English uh, music community. Yeah, uh, they went to a dinner party um, at uh, Mick Jagger's place, yeah. and uh, Mick Jagger was smitten. Yeah, it's hard to beat Mick Jagger. Yeah, and as smooth as Brian Ferry is, as refined, as cultured, you know, his 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 carefully dangling strands of black hair over his forehead. Mick took her away. You can't beat the pull of Mick Jagger, even if you're David Bowie. I mean, David Bowie got pulled. Whoa, hey, you know. Well, they did. Didn't they, didn't they get it on or something? I thought that was Rod Stewart, but that's just a rumor, a myth, <laughs> if you will. So at some point, uh, Jerry Hall writes a, 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 a tell-all book, but it wasn't really a tell-all book. But when that book came out, Brian Ferry, who was so annoyed that she had left him like, 10, 15 years earlier, he was so pissed off when she left him for Mick Jagger that he kept her clothes. Oh, really? Thank you. Bitch, you can go, but your clothes shall stay here. That sounds like a Brian Ferry way to get back at somebody. It's it's a a very sort of, you know, snooty way. But wait, he would strike me as a guy who would be unaffected by losing a lover. Above it, but that's what makes him so human. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyway, he wrote a great song called "Kiss and Tell." That's yeah. that's supposed to be about oh that's okay. I didn't about know that. a response to Jerry Hall's book in which uh, she tells about their relationship and Mick Jagger and all that stuff. So uh, so there's a little a little bit about uh, Brian Ferry and Roxy Music. So hopefully you're enjoying what you're hearing here in Room Seven Six Zero Nine. We get a lot of response to this feature. Not as much negative response as we used to. I, I I think that's good. Although we welcome all opposing views. I was at the Smiths United show in Hamtramck uh, last Saturday, and ran into some folks who said they really enjoy Room Seven Six Zero Nine, and they're actually learning a lot about some bands that they had either overlooked 
or maybe there's some of our younger listeners and they're thinking, yeah, okay, let me check that stuff out. So, uh, so yeah, any any reason to listen is good for me, yeah. even if it's uh, your wife who wants to get you. I mean, if you want to get us, I, that's a more than acceptable reason to listen. She's she tells me there's a lot of reasons that <laughs> that I should be cold and stiff in the ground, and uh, that's what keeps relationships healthy. Yeah, hatred, killing people. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't there a whole movie? It's several movies about it. War of the Roses and a couple yeah. of things like that. But anyways, we appreciate hearing from you. We want you to write to us at mlsoulofdetroit at gmail dot com. You can give us a call at Butterfield eight. 9070, that's 313-288-9070. Leave us a message. We would love to play that on the show. Um, Please rate us, review the podcast, subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform so that the show pops up when we post it typically midday on Thursday. Tell your friends about us. Uh, Go to our website, mlsoulofdetroit.com. Check out some back episodes uh, to get caught up. And, um, And, of course, you can represent. You can uh, you can wear our merchandise. We now have T-shirts and stickers available at Mark. Where can they get those? Uh, DrewandMikeShow dot com. Drew and, and, Drew and a, Mike store or show? Or, you're right, store. Thank you for okay. the correction. A this, correct correction. I believe there's a link on MLSolarDetroit dot com. Excellent. There's also a link for you to donate if you would care to donate. We appreciate that. We want you to support our sponsors because they really do keep us coming back week after week. I mean, we enjoy doing this, don't get me wrong, but, you know, there's other... Enjoy it a lot more. There's other free things we can do with our free time, but when it's paid, it, it moves up it moves up the ranking. But you can become a sponsor, so uh, that's what Kelly did. She sent us some cash, which we appreciate, and she also a kind note. ML and Mark, love the podcast. Notice she left Sean out. Hmm. Is that hmm. is that an, an omission? Or... On per, a fashion. Yeah. <laughs> my daughter this is, is an MSU. <laughs> my, my daughter's an MSU journalism major and works at the State News. Love the episode where Mike talked about his time on the staff there. Yes, at one time I was known as Mike. Keep up the good work, including the new wave music segment. Thanks, Kelly. Kelly not only thanked us with her words, but with her cash. And, and you uh, also, if you are interested in ML's um, youthful reporting, oh go boy. to his Twitter at Elric. Oh boy! And see the lovely picture he posted of the alternative paper that uh, that he put out up there. Yes, that can. picture took me. It surprised me. I'm like, you you look like you're 14 in the picture. Did you did you have any uncomfortable stirrings? None whatsoever. Okay, good. That's good. I mean, there's a oh, table. Teresa was in the picture there's too. A ta- hey, watch it there, big fella. <laughs> watch it. Don't... I couldn't believe that was you. You don't mow college. another guy's lawn. <laughs> Speaking of which, I gotta I gotta trim my hedges, but um, and that's not a euphemism. Um, I'm a waxer. That's me. I gotta be clean about. It. But um, no, that 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 was uh, uh, the URI, which uh, was a great paper with a terrible name. It was short for the University Reporter Intelligencer. How did you come up with such a long name? Why well, I'm I, I'm glad you asked. Uh, we had three editors, and each one had, wanted a different part in the masthead, in the flag. And so I just said, you know what? I got so much shit to do. I'm not going to mediate this. Everybody wins. That's one of those things when you should probably fight it at the beginning yeah. so you don't have to fight it for the rest of your life. But well, yes. URI sounds like a, you know, a disease. 
Well, it sound it kind of sounds like a Cure song. Why can't I be you? You know, it's you are I, you are dash I dot dot. Or it sounds like a UTI. Or it doesn't at all. Yeah, yeah. That everybody loves a nice UTI. That's uh, when you're meeting the wrong people at the bar. But if you go to my Twitter feed at Elric, of course, you'll see news about this show. But you can see our first front page and a picture of me and my at that time girlfriend when we were both looking pretty good. Um, I, of course, still look fantastic. She, honestly, though, I'm, I'm not just saying this. She doesn't look like she's aged much at all, but I was I can't get over it. You look like you were 14. I know. I, I, uh, you look I, like the tall 14-year-old, though, because you were always very tall then. We, we used to go out on dates, and she'd get arrested for, um, for picking on the, on the hot young dudes. <laughs> but um, that still happens, well, I didn't actually. I say hot. I just said young. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, she was with, she was with other dudes who were hot. <laughs> oh, then okay. When, hot and young dudes? When they were busy, she'd, she'd come hang out at my... <laughs> At my house, but uh, another writer <laughs> sends in. Please get rescue me from myself here. Uh, uh, Jason writes in and says, "I would love to hear the thoughts and opinions of how Nestle is operating their water bottling operation in Michigan. Apparently, they only pay two hundred dollars a year to take millions of gallons of water from Michigan, millions of gallons of water for a weekly paycheck from a minimum wage earner's paycheck. It just seems horribly wrong. I think you could do a whole show on it, honestly." I believe some listeners may not have heard of this yet, and it would be a great service to them. Oh, by the way, thank you for your service, ML, Sean, and Mark. So Sean, Sean makes the cut there. Actually, Dave Spencer at Fox 2 did a story on this some time ago, and this is a very controversial thing where I believe this is still being debated at the state level. But um, if I ever get assigned to that story, I would be happy to talk about it for the most part. If we're going to talk about issues, it'll be ones that I've spent some time digging into. But, uh, but Jason, if you check the Fox 2 website, you may see that, and maybe we can put a link up on our story notes. But we appreciate all of your calls, all of your letters. Please tell your friends about us, and uh, listen to our other Red Shovel Network shows. There's No Filter Sports with Eli, Denny, and Bob. There's No BS News Hour with uh, Charlie LaDuff. And, of course, our flagship, the Drew and Mike podcast. You've been listening to ML Soul of Detroit on the Red Shovel Network. Cyrus, take us out. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Uh, that reminds me, Abby, pour me a drink. That all? Sign it, put a special delivery on it, and send it care of the matron to Hatchapi Prison. Come on, have one yourself. Oh, thank you. Here's how. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. You'll get used to it. <laughs> Good night, Bobo. Good night, sweetheart. <laughs> Presents the adventures of M.L. Elric. Sean Windsor. Famous private detective produced and directed by Mark Bellhauer.